Welcome to the eighth episode of the Unlikely Hikers podcast and live show. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard, we record live with an audience via Zoom, where I lead a conversation with someone in the outdoor world that I find fascinating. Today, we are going to be chatting with plus-size whitewater rafter and hiker Ash Manning. So exciting. I am coming to you live from Portland, Oregon, which is on Cowlitz, Chinook, and Clackamas land. I'm your host, Jenny Brusso. I am a queer, fat writer, hiker, and founder of Unlikely Hikers. And Unlikely Hikers is a lot of things. It is a diverse and inclusive Instagram community featuring the underrepresented outdoors person. That means that also means a lot of things. It's a, a hiking group and a podcast, and it's kind of a direct response to the way that the outdoor industry and outdoor social media has displayed this very like narrow idea of who is outdoorsy, and it, it really doesn't represent most of us, right? We are people of size, people of color, queer, trans, gender non-conforming. Uh, we are people with disabilities and people who utilize the outdoors to aid our mental health. In our social media posts, you'll find conversations about so many outdoors-related things, like uh, you know, conversations about access, politics, conservation, and we also, you know, honor this land that we recreate on and its indigenous stewards. That is a, a very central part of a lot of conversations that we have, and it's something that's very important to us. Uh, I know that that's a pretty broad topic base, and and we're not trying to like conflate all of these experiences. We're just exploring community and you know, like building that at the intersections of all of our lived experiences. And something I always say is that we all have a story. And if you feel like an unlikely hiker, like if this resonates for you, then you are. So welcome. It's, it's not like, you know, you have to prove yourself one way or look a certain way or have a certain kind of identity. You know, if this resonates, welcome. Now, before I introduce our amazing guest today, there are about a thousand things I want to talk about, but nobody has time for that. So I'm just going to try to make it snappy. Today was our last day here in Oregon to mail in our uh, ballots for the primaries. And, you know, I held my nose and drank a beer and prayed to the universe for forgiveness <laughs> while I shaded in Joe Biden. And I, of course, could have uh, or maybe even should have voted for Bernie because he's still on our ballot and it would have at least amped some support for the future, his, his party for the future. And honestly, like I'm just sharing all of this because it's been such a weird, confusing Thing and maybe some people need to hear that somebody else is having such a hard time understanding and, and compartmentalizing all of these feelings and processing it. I mean, it just doesn't really feel like much of a choice. I know that like a lot of people just feel like anybody but Trump and, and that's like an easy choice. And sure, I guess, but it doesn't feel like a choice when you're talking about like evil person A and evil person B and 
I just don't want to be like super polarizing about how we're all processing this because I, I, I feel like that's how people tend to come at it. And it also feels like, and maybe it is, you know, when even voting for Joe Biden feels like complacence to how terrible he is, you know, his nineties, you know, rap sheet is horrible. So it, it just, yeah, it's confusing. It sucks. I just want to acknowledge that and like, just say that it's okay to have really messy feelings about that. Um, it's not as simple as like anybody but Trump. I mean, really anybody but Trump, but like, it just sort of, I don't know, it feels like he's like the diet version of how horrible Trump is, you know? Anyway, and since I said the word diet, I might as well talk about another thing that's on my mind. Um, I've gained weight. I did the thing that everyone on the internet is so scared of. Uh, to the point where recent surveys have indicated that people would rather get COVID-19 than gain weight. I'll link those in our show notes. Kind of horrifying to just hear it like that, but like as a fat person living in this culture, I know that that's absolutely true. I mean, I see it in all of the memes and, you know, people are so scared of that when there are so many more scary things in the world and it just doesn't even what what people aren't thinking about is that you know their fat loved ones are seeing the things that they're saying and they're just being reminded that the way that we are is like the worst thing you think could possibly happen <laughs> like worse than covid-19 and i know it's more nuanced than that and i have compassion for how you know the uh, uh, for how body negative culture hurts and harms all of us um but it's really hard witnessing that stuff all of the time. And I just, if you're not a fat person, I hope that you'll consider like what saying things like that can do for the fat people in your life that you love. And, and you know, I know you love them. So what did I do about gaining weight? What have I done about it? I bought two new pairs of jeans. I bought a couple of pairs of leggings, some bike shorts, and I washed my hands of it because things are just different right now. And my body is, is different too. You know, I'm not getting the movement that I did in my more routine oriented life. I don't, I'm, I, I am somebody who does not feel motivated to exercise. Um, unfortunately, like I'm sure it is actually a very like innate human, uh, uh, intuitive thing but for me it's just been so beaten down by like diet culture that it has never been a fun thing for me even though i actually love movement i i hiking is is the way that i like to move my body it's the way i like to get exercise and there's some other outdoor activities i like to do too and since i haven't been able to to do those things i just don't feel motivated to say get up and go for a run or to exercise in my own home for Get about that. I am so not one of those people. You know, it's, yeah, just zero, zero motivation. And it's like, yeah, I gained weight. I'm still me. Um, my value, my personal value did not decrease at all. My partner still loves me. My friends and loved ones still think I'm the shit. My, my animals think I'm great. 
it's the only the only shitty part about this is really like trying to feel motivated to get any exercise and that's not about my body size that's more about like wanting to be able to sleep well and wanting and and the way that i mean honestly the biggest thing is just the what it does for my mental health like movement really helps my mental health i wish I felt more motivated, but I'm also just very committed to not beating myself up for it right now. Um, so if you're having any of these kinds of weird thoughts, just know that I am too. And that if you do gain weight, big freaking deal, uh, you're still an amazing person. And there's a lot of really terrible things happening in the world and you don't, you can worry about those things instead. Okay, we're introducing Ash Manning. Ash is a, hi, <laughs> Ash is a self-proclaimed plus-size outdoors woman working on breaking stereotypes put on bodies of all shapes and sizes. She pushes back on the narrow view of what hikers, boaters, or outdoorsy people should look like perpetuated by the outdoor industry. Ash also acknowledges that there is more than just size to take into account when, ex when expanding space in nature for everyone. She seeks to aid in creating space for everyone underrepresented in the outdoor world. And we love it. Hi, Ash. <laughs> so, you know, in preparing to do this, I reread all of your blog posts from the trek oh yeah and uh, seriously some of them made me tear up again and uh, it was just so sweet so for everybody who doesn't know ash ash went on a well attempted the appalachian trail in 2018 and i would really love for you to talk to us about that okay um well i guess first of all i had always wanted to do the trail um I think I'm going to try to run through it quick so that we're, I'm not busting time, but, um, a long time ago, uh, I was riding around with my dad and he picked up a through hiker. We live really close to the beginning of the Appalachian trail. And, um, my dad picked up a through hiker and I was just like, star eyes. I was like, that's so cool. Wow. <laughs> and, um, he, this, this guy was not looking back at it. I don't think this guy had, like any food. I think he was kind of doing like the trail provides type of thing and um, wasn't doing too well at it. And so we had to take him into town. You know, that kind of sparked something in me. And from there on, I felt like I wanted to hike the trail. Um, in 2015, you know, I was brought up in a home where it was like, you got to go get an education, yada, yada. And in 2015, I really decided, I said, okay, well, uh, I'm going to just plunge really hard into debt, finish college, um, and hike the trail. And it kind of started there. Um, and I think in 2017, I kind of let it be known that um, in 2018, I was going to hike the trail. And a friend who had worked at the same uh, place that I was working said, Hey, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to hike the trail too. Um, so her name's Lindsay. She hiked, um, half of the trail. Uh, like we hiked, I guess, like half of our section together. Um, and honestly, like that having Lindsay as a support was like 
they they say like nothing really is going to prepare you for the trail and i think that's super true in so many ways like some people are like oh i did the stair step or yeah, 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 yeah. honestly i think that physically after two weeks on the trail you will be prepared for the trail and there's nothing that's going to prepare you for the trail like being on the trail um except for like the mental and emotional like turmoil that's like your life is so different and such a big change you start going through all these things and then you realize you're kind of like in this together and it's really it was really nice to have Lindsay there for me personally a lot of people would do this alone which is awesome um but then we kind of split after a while i would say i'm i'm a like she's like type a i'm type b she she like had the schedule and i was like well i could just like sit here for a while it'd be really cool for me to like sit here in this creek and just sit and um <laughs> so we just kind of you know we broke off i wasn't feeling too well and we saw each other here and there and uh, that's when i met my other like trail trail family um nope mountain cat and sparky um and cobra and bunny and we all kind of stayed together but it was like really a big deal for me to be with different people um and it was so nice i felt like for once in my life as far as like being outdoorsy um yeah i wasn't they weren't like looking at me like oh there's the big girl I, it was just me it was a yard sale it, it, you know and that for once in my life it felt like ah oh, like you know i don't have to worry about covering my tummy or anything like that or you know when i get up i don't have to pull my pants up really high i can just be me out there in the wilderness and in the woods and that was a really freeing feeling um you know i don't have to worry about the double chin or whatever you know we put so much on what we look like we put so much on bodies um I did have, don't get me wrong, there were people that were incredibly rude on trail. I did like receive some comments that were like, oh, why don't you try, you know, uh, ultralight? Um, you know, your pack looks really heavy. You're already so heavy. And it was just like, mm. oh my God, what? <laughs> um, I was asked if I was lost. I oh, was asked God. if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to interrupt you right there to, you know, I, I know what you're saying about like, you kind of got the freedom to not be othered, you know, in, in those moments. And I, I, I've had a lot of those experiences too on the trail where somebody just regards me differently. And uh, in, like, like there's things that, like I have also been asked if I'm lost. It's happened to me more than once. And, you know, there's like weird assumptions sometimes that, uh, you know, when people see like, unlikely hikers you know there's there's things like uh like people will think we might be in danger or like want to give detailed directions about where we're going even on trails that we've done so many times and you know it's funny on unlikely hikers i made a po or i i featured somebody yesterday who talked about this yes about the you know those preconceived notions the internal like anti-fat biases and things like that and a lot of people were really in their feelings about like, oh, I, I tell everyone they're doing a good job and 
And I, I'm sure that that's very true for a lot of people, but there's also the times where, I mean, we're the ones experiencing it, you know, right. like there's the times where it comes off very patronizing and it was just like a very interesting and kind of disappointing conversation. But yeah, that's, that's definitely like a thing that has happened. It's happened to you. It's happened yeah. to me. <laughs> That fatty on the fly. I think her name's Serene. Yes. Um, we just, I think, followed each other yesterday or something. And I was so happy. Um, you know, I had expressed this not too, like, not too long ago to a friend I was hiking with. I was like, I hate it when people say, you're almost to the top. Um, <laughs> I hate that. I hate and it too. My friend was like, oh, they're not just, they're just like, they'd probably just say that to everybody. And I was like, uh, uh, I've heard it so many times, so many times. And when uh, Serene had that in her post, I was like, yes, 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 that is so annoying. And it's kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm feeling relieved that someone else, um, another plus size person is like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I know I'm almost to the top. Mm -hmm, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I do think a lot of people who are like, who say things like you're almost there are totally, you know, just being friendly and maybe that's something they would want to hear too when they're almost to the top. Yeah. Uh, but there are, there's clearly the times where it is very patronizing or it's said directly to you when you're with other people or whatever. And, you know, I've had situations where I've been hiking with like, uh, men, you know, who are not unlikely hikers and somebody on the trail will start asking them questions about the trail and they'll like straight up be saying, like my friend will be saying, oh no, I, I've never done this trail. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where that is. I don't. And I'm like, I'll be like, oh, well, uh, and they'll start answering the question. But like the person will just keep looking at my friend and like only listening to my friend. <laughs> it's so <laughs> embarrassing. And like, infuriating too but like I also don't want to let anybody like bum my hike <laughs> yeah yeah so while we're on this topic I I'm wondering um how do you feel because you know I, I said this a lot in the intro and I I wanted to give like a little talk about it but now that you're on screen with us I I want you to kind of weigh in with it too how do you feel about the word fat oh um I love it <laughs> I I think it's um it's a great descriptor that um once upon a time turned evil somehow <laughs> um i you know i think the word fat is just a descriptor and i love using it um and i think one of the reasons i love it is because i use it and i'll use it to describe myself and be like oh man i'm i am such a fat sassy lady and people will be <laughs> like <laughs> you're not fat you're not fat you're you're beautiful and i'm like you're yeah beautiful. Yep. <laughs> it's like what they can they can exist in the same realm and and it's always such a fun thing it's almost like i'm having fun getting a reaction now and um but you know fat has actually become kind of a normal uh word in my life and people around me their life you know my friends i'm the fat friend and that's okay like it's not it's not i i like to have fun with it you know, you call a tall person tall, old skyscraper looking ass, like, you know, like. I, you know, Body diversity is real. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's good for all of us. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm also a big fan of normalizing the word fat. And I know that it's, it's not kosher for everybody. And I, I do acknowledge that. And I, 
hold space for that. Like if people are more comfortable being calling themselves plus size, I am all the way in with that. Um, but for me, I, I do want to destigmatize the word and, and I won't call anyone fat who like, doesn't want who, who's like not comfortable with that. Like, that's really important to me, but, but for me, it just, it, it like, I just want to take the power out of it. You know, it's this, it's suddenly become this, like, there's so many like moral value judgments placed on the word and yeah. on the, on people who are fat. And I just kind of want to take that get that power out of it, you know? And, and especially like your close friends, your family, you start with them, branch out. My coworkers, you know, a lot of the people I work with, they don't have a problem with it anymore. Um, but yeah, definitely people that are not comfortable with it. I understand because we grew up with this word being evil and bad and yeah. associated with like fat, ugly, fat, gross. That's what we grew up with it as. And so saying, um, I'm feeling fat and beautiful. I'm looking chubby and fine. <laughs> so you, um, you told us a little bit about having a tramly, a trail family, and uh, about, you know, your decisions to start the trail and how that came to be. What happened when you were out there? First of all, my uncle actually passed away while I was on trail. Um, oh and that was really harsh. Uh, I wasn't around. Um, my, my aunt was really, really affected by it. Um, and it kind of shook my family. Um, and I, I just wasn't around and that's kind of part of the trail is you miss things. And, and that's something you have to accept is that you're gonna miss birthdays. You're gonna miss deaths. You're gonna miss all kinds of things. Um, second of all, I was not doing too well with my mental health. Um, and that is a direct correlation with Third, I was very sick. Um, I was sick and I was not looking at, I, I, I wasn't getting better. Um, I thought I had norovirus. Mm. Um, I thought I had some kind of 24 hour bug, but then 24 hours turned into like three days and I got Giardia. Uh, I didn't know until I got home. Um, and I had hiked like this for about a week. I was incredibly dehydrated. Uh, I was malnourished. I wasn't keeping food down. I could only eat. Um, I, I remember I could only really keep down applesauce, <laughs> which okay. that wasn't enough for hiking um, X amount of miles. I started uh, yellow blazing. And what yellow blazing is basically you like flag down a car and you just take it to the next like <laughs> little place just so I could keep up with my trail family. Um, and I just, I was not feeling good. I was not okay. And fourth thing that kind of happened was I realized that I did not have the funds to be sick and on trail. I did not have our, even like off trail, I could not go into a town and spend a bunch of money at a hostel or a hotel or whatever. Um, I was already like kind of short on cash. I worked very hard to like pay my way through college, pay my way through um, getting on trail. And it just wasn't enough. It's never enough. <laughs> um, it feels like, um, and it was kind of discouraging coming from like a lower, lower income, I guess. Um, and figuring out that I wasn't going to be able to finish this because of that. And then, you know, there was like all these things that happened. I had lost my ID. 
I couldn't get a bus or a train or a plane or anything. I had no money. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> and uh, my mom, uh, bless her sweet Southern soul, came up and snatched me and I went home. And uh, I was going to work and get more money and go back to the trail. But then I, um, I recovered from Giardia and then I tore my ACL. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so much to process. Yes. <laughs> like kick you while you're down. I know it was, uh, I was raft guiding while I still had Giardia and I was eating Imodium like crazy. And I remember, um, I had just got over it where I could, I didn't have to like take any more medicine or Imodium or anything. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Woo. And, um, I like went down, uh, our class four rapid on that section and my leg just like went basically like kind of backwards. And I was like, Oh, Oh, hell, like that does not look good. Okay. Um, and realizing kind of like, as I was in the doctor, like I went to the ER and everything and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to finish the trail this year. And then finding out it was, um, an ACL tear and a meniscus tear. And I was like, <laughs> I'm really not going to be able to. And uh, that was really um, discouraging. Uh, but I do know that this kind of gave me new light, new ideas of, um, it, I, it was very educational, I guess. Like you learned a lot about yourself. Yeah. 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 And I, I will be um, continuing the AT. Um, I just don't know when I was going to do the new Mopoyo this year. Um which for those that don't know, that's uh, the J JMT, but John Murr is an asshole. Um, so, <laughs> um, <True>. but, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so I was going to do that, but COVID kind of ruined that plan for me. <laughs> so, yeah, completely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm asking this just for the curiosity of everybody listening uh, but obviously these things only matter as much as we make them matter. Uh, how far did you get on the, on the trail? Oh, um, I think I stepped off trail at mile like 972. Um, wow. and so like, there's this give or take where it's like, I could have walked like 900 miles. I could have walked like 912 or 950. I don't know because towards that end, I was like yellow blazing a lot because I was sick and kind of losing it and it's kind of odd because I was um you know I I started the trail with Lindsay and at the same time Lindsay was texting me um you know we were talking about getting off trail and uh she had a really she had some really rough experiences um and we both kind of I think probably not the exact same mile marker but I think we made it to almost probably the exact same place and we both left trail at different times, but it was like one of those things where it was like, doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> you know, like the universe is so interesting, mm -hmm. you know, start together and together. <laughs> so, you know, I think what a lot of people are probably wanting to know or wanting to hear you talk about is like, what is it like being a fat outdoors person? And, you know, what kind of challenges are, are, a part of that and also like you know what kind of wonderful things are about that um 
So I'm going to start with the negatives first and then move to the positives. <laughs> Always easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can't drop names. Um, and it's hard to talk about this because I have gotten some backlash for this from the people that were in this place. Um, when I first started being in the outdoor industry, it was very difficult for me. Um, I just when you were like before you were like when you were doing rafting and stuff like that yeah before the trail okay it was prior to the trail it was um I showed up to an outpost and I said hey I want to be a raft guide and the river manager at the time looked at me up and down and said okay and kind of thought it was a joke I ended up doing zip lining um moved on to rafting uh and there was this whole big thing where um, I could not get in the raft the same way everyone else could. Um, so I couldn't just like lift myself up into the raft. I had to use a, diff- a strap and um, sort of an atria, like a, a rope ladder of sorts. Um, I, it's not a full rope ladder, it's just kind of another strap. Um, as a foothold, uh, and that was uh, considered unsafe, not okay to use. I was taken off the river in my second year of raft guiding. I was not allowed to guide anymore. And the problem here was that there were other people with the same exact problem. The difference is that I was much larger than them. Shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there was this list of um, guidelines that you had to um, have and do and be to be a guide. And I read through them all and there was so many of them that were being violated by so many people, not just um, getting in the raft, but just other uh, guidelines that were created by the manager at the time. And no one, no one else was getting treated like I was. And this had happened with a plus size girl the year before me and another plus size girl the year before her. And so it was pretty apparent what was happening. Um, That was a really hard time in my life. I had like worked really hard and to gain strength. I was, I thought that I was like pretty good. (laughs) Um, And all of a sudden it was like, I wasn't allowed to even do the thing that I loved. And I had found four different ways, actually, four different ways of getting in the raft. um, And none of them were good enough. It was never okay. It was never good until another manager came in and fought really hard. She really, really fought hard for me um, and was like, no, this isn't fair. This isn't okay. She's already been working for us for a while. You guys took her off the river. That's weird. Um, And she fought really hard for me to be back on the river. Now, when I moved jobs, I moved, and I can say this because I love a drift, but, (laughs) and I currently work for a drift, but I went to a drift and I told my manager, I said, Hey, you know, I get in the, I get in the boat differently. And he said, okay, how do you get in the boat? And I explained four different ways of getting in the boat. And he goes, great. I want you to teach everyone. And it was this like, Oh, okay. Like this very serious difference, which was like, my heart just was so happy. I felt so supported and, and Javi, um, 
you know, you've been in contact with Javi, but Javier is the owner of Adrift and he's very good. He doesn't like any kind of discrimination, anything like that. And he's very receptive to, um, you know, if you have something to say, he will listen, which is nice. Um, but so my whole like journey in the outdoor industry from the very beginning has been rocky and interesting and hard, but at the same time, um, on the bright side of it, there are those that are moving forward and there are those that are doing a lot more. And I will say this, um, uh, I think I'm quoting, I'm quoting someone from, um, the Appalachian trail hike. I think it's fun. Um, they said, you know what, girl, you're the curviest piece of ass out here. It's fine. You're fun to look at. And it was like, nice. It was like, oh yeah, you're right. It's like, you're a little different than everyone out here. So whatever. And it, it made is, me, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just going to say, it is funny when like someone says something that's like definitely inappropriate and maybe not welcome under most circumstances. <laughs> and yet it still kind of like works, <laughs> you know, like, I yeah. was, one time I was riding my bike and this dude yelled out like stop riding your bike you're gonna lose your ass <laughs> it was like the one of the best things no. one of the best, like heckles I've ever gotten <laughs> I know you're like I want to be mad at that because <laughs> you're being inappropriate but also thank you <laughs> yeah thanks for seeing me <laughs> yeah um yeah, I mean, and there's, you know, like, entering a new sport is really tough. I I was out in uh, Salt Lake City this winter, and I went to go try skiing because my friend was trying to teach me, and they had no ski boots that would fit my calves. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what? There were no, I couldn't find snow pants. I couldn't find boots. I went to snowboarding because um, my other friend, she's, um, she, she's, plus size but small fat okay, um, yeah. mm -hmm. it, which I'm still in that too but she she There's was like a range though yeah yeah so but she was like hey I'll take you snowboarding well I'll teach you how to snowboard and it, it was nice because it was like oh thank god like someone else out here is you know a little bigger what did you do about having ill-fitting uh ski boots I'm always I always want to know other plus size people's like hacks when it comes to doing outdoorsy things. Cause so often we don't have things that work for us, you know, like harnesses that work for us for rock climbing or like clothing that works for us. Um, so we have like, we're all very, you know, crafty and I'd love to know, what did you do in that situation? So I'm always having trouble finding pants no matter what. Um, Hiking pants, skiing pants, doesn't matter. I could have, I, I could have uh, ordered some ski pants specially made, but I'm not, I was trying the sport. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't right. into the sport yet. Um, and I want to try to be further into snow sports. Skiing, the ski boots thing, I didn't end up skiing. Um, yeah, I, I, the guy, he felt so bad he was like, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry. He was more embarrassed than I was. It was so silly. I was like, mm, no, it's fine. This happens all the time. It's not a big oh, deal. Oh, no. So you had yeah. to like, console him. 
I know. This is a really good example of, you know, barriers to access, you know, like uh, the, a lot of people I think don't realize like they're, or people who are straight sized don't, you know, they can just borrow gear that will work for them to try something for the first time. But that's not really an option when you're plus size uh, at a certain size or bigger or whatever. Like you can't just, you know, borrow your friend's uh, snow boots or whatever, you know? No. And that's, (laughs) if you can, they're like across the country or I've got to mail it to my friend, (laughs) you know, like um, Latreya was, uh, she offered to get me some like coats and stuff because I was out in the cold and I was like, oh, you're so sweet. Love Latreya. I know. But so I, I was like, ah, it's fine. And that's when I went to snowboarding. Um, but for snow pants, so, um, what I did was I tried, uh, some like Walmart brand rain pants and they were just too shitty. So what I did was I would layer up with two or three, um, pairs of fleece leggings, um, and which are so hard to find for like plus size girls. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Or plus size people. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I have this fleece skirt that I actually sewed myself um, because I couldn't find a nice fleece skirt. And I wanted one actually for the Grand Canyon uh, last November. So I, um, <laughs> I sewed up this black skirt and this skirt, um, it goes right above my knees and it's really comfy. And so I'd wear these uh, multiple layers of leggings and this skirt to go snowboarding and I kind of looked really silly but it was kind of the thing that worked for me I took a lot of breaks I'd have to take like okay well I got to go inside and warm my legs up or else I'm gonna freeze so I'm gonna go inside <laughs> so my my days for snowboarding um weren't just like you know these small increments I couldn't just go on my lunch break I had to like put a, an entire day aside and I wasn't like going up the big runs. I wasn't going in the back country. I was just doing the small runs and taking a million breaks because I was so cold. And, you know, we are crafty people where we have to be like, oh, well, they don't make this for me. So I've got to make it myself or I've got to make something else work. And that's just kind of what I did all winter was I just made it work or worked through the pain, you know, whatever. It sounds like you. I mean, just from everything that we've talked about, have it sounds like you have been doing outdoorsy stuff for a really long time. Have you, did you grow up doing outdoorsy things? Yeah. So my dad is, um, he's a wildlife technician in Georgia. And so he has kind of been outside, you know, he, he would take me and my sister um, hunting, fishing, hiking when we were kids, camping. Um, but not like, not just like a ton. And it would be like short hikes. Like we never went on like super long hikes or anything, but I didn't view myself as someone that could go hiking, you know, like for a long time, I let that hold me back. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of realized like, yeah, it's okay. You can do that. You can be whatever size you want to be and still do that. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's something that, I think about a lot is like how much time a lot of us lose in our lives because we think we're not allowed to do something because like our body size or not seeing, uh, you know, uh, not seeing ourselves represented in certain things. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's really sad to me to think about, I even see it on Unlikely Hikers often, like people will, I'll see comments that are just like, you know, I'm not out, I'm not in shape enough to go hiking. And it's like, hiking is whatever you make it, you know, like you can go hike in a local park on a completely flat trail. You can be on a paved trail and call it hiking if you want to. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that it's, of course, just seeing the constant representation of doing extreme things, which we all love seeing that stuff. You know, we tend to think that what we're doing isn't valid compared to that. And I just, yeah, I really, I really would love to, I want everyone to just not waste another moment of their lives because like, you know, waiting to be a certain way to do the thing that they want to do because the future is not guaranteed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was on the canyon, the Grand Canyon, and all, like, my, all my peers, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna head up this trail with you guys, but, uh, I'm probably not gonna make it to the top, and I didn't, and that was fine, I, like, (laughs) made it to this really beautiful view, and I just sat there in the middle of the desert, and it was super hot, and I was like, wow, this is amazing, I love this, I don't want to go any further, and I left, like, you know, it was great, and I, still beautiful, yeah, still amazing, Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, you don't have to even make it to the top or to the destination. You can just enjoy where you're at. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to move into our Q&A soon. Um, before we do that, though, I would like to ask you, what's something that you're proud of about yourself or about your outdoor life? Hmm. Something you've done. You know, I think... Um... I think obviously the Appalachian Trail comes to mind, but um, the first thing that like came to my mind when you asked that question was uh, on the Grand Canyon in November, I, I rode this rapid called Lava Falls and in the Grand Canyon, so internationally rapids are rated one to five. In the Grand Canyon, they go all the way up to a 10 because um, they're just a different level. Um, and whenever... I was down there. I realized that I was going to be in the boat alone. And I was like, Oh boy. Oh my God. This is not, I, I can't do this. Oh no, Mm-mm. no, I'm very scared. And my boat mate from 2016, I, I came down I was slower than everyone. I had actually like uh, hurt my knee earlier in the trip. So I was just walking way, way slower than everyone. And people had just already gone. And I came down the trail and my old boatmate from 2016, he's standing there and he's like, well, what do you think, girl? And I was like, I don't know. I'm so scared. And he was like, girl, you better shut up and put your lipstick on and get the hell out of here. (laughs) I was like, what? And he was like, I'm following you. And this man has like 30 years of whitewater under his belt. And I was so flattered that he wanted to follow my boat through this big huge class nine rapid it's the largest one out there it's massive it's huge and it's like i i i made my line and i hit it and it it was the most beautiful line i could have asked for and as as i'm going through the rapid and like rowing by myself in my boat um I was yelling out loud. I was like, I'm hitting my line. I'm right where I need to be. (laughs) Um, 
And Kenny was right as I was pulling out and kind of like getting into the water. I was putting my lipstick on. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> really fast. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, and that right now, I think in, there's going to be other things that will come to mind eventually. But right now, I think. That's a good one. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing that I've done. Um, and I also am very excited to return to a drift Hell and yeah. work this season. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. All right. Well, before we get into our Q&A, I want to take a screenshot of us, okay? So on the count of three, after three, I'm going to take it. So get ready. Okay. One, two, three. So we are going to go ahead and move into our Q&A. Ash, this is actually coming from a number of people. What is your trail name and how did you get it? Uh... My trail name's Yard Sale. <laughs> um, Yard Sale is, I was named by um, this very sweet older gentleman named Cece. And when I say sweet, I mean that with like all sarcasm. <laughs> he was <laughs> a very grumpy fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he was, he like smoked cigarettes like a freight train. We're not even out of Georgia. It's within the first week of being on trail. A couple of people had tried to name me. I had these big circular glasses that I'd wear, these sunglasses. So people were trying to call me like Groovy, John Lennon. And I was like, no, I don't like any of those. And you're not supposed to like pick your trail name. It picks you, but those didn't feel right. And no one was really calling me that anyways. Um, at one point, somebody tried to name me and Lindsay Timon and Pumbaa, which was so like, mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> um you just like cock your head like what yeah, i was like um no <laughs> and uh so then we're all at camp and um i get i kind of you know stroll into camp um Lindsay, and she had not i don't think she had gotten her name yet either but she eventually was dorothy because she hiked in red boots i'm walking into camp and i uh I did this thing where I would kind of just take my backpack and turn it upside down and shake everything out of it. And all the shit would just explode out and go everywhere because I'm a uh, very unorganized person. <laughs> and um, so all my things would just kind of explode out of it and I'd kind of gather them up and then make my camp. And Cece's walking through the um, camp and I was like, hey man, sorry about the yard sale. And him and his crew, they were like, that's a trail name. And Cece was like, okay, well, yard sale's your name. And I was like, I'm not going to go by yard sale. And there was like a couple of other people in the camp to hear that. And when I was going to bed, they were like, good night, yard sale. And I was like, good night. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were like, okay, it's done. Your name's yard sale. It's done. And they were calling me yard sale. Kind of, we were like switching off, um, passing each other the whole next day. And so I was like, okay, well... I guess that's my name. <laughs> a couple of people are wondering, what did you, like, what kind of training did you do before you started the AT? So I was in college. Um, so my training was all like in a gym mostly. And um, Lindsay, Dorothy and I had done a little bit of backpacking together the previous year. Um, but that was about it. 
other than that, I read a lot of books <laughs> um, and fantasized, but that whole last semester of my college, I didn't really train at all, hardly. I had about two months um, in 2018 before I started the trail, and I, I'm going to be really honest, I entered a very like serious depression and had a lot of anxiety. And I was like, it was very internal. I was very like, kind of just sitting here and just being like, what am I gonna do? This is crazy, what am I doing? I, I, I'm not gonna do this. I'm sorry, not crazy, um, silly. Wild, um, yeah. yeah. Wild. Uh, <laughs> far-fetched. Yes, far-fetched, good. Way to self-correct right now, I love <laughs> that. But also I feel like when you're a person who deals with mental health stuff, it's okay to say crazy. Uh, I mean, I use crazy sometimes when I'm talking about myself. I deal with, you know, anxiety and depression and PTSD and all that shit. And like, yeah. but yeah, in general, though, sometimes crazy is overused and like sometimes used in ways to like malign people. But anyway, just props for self-correction. Thanks. <laughs> I, I have like, you know, I, I like experienced a lot of mania. Um, so I'd kind of just do things that was... Uh, that were kind of like, like self-destructive. Um, yeah. It was very self-destructive in the time before I was hiking, actually. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, I genuinely like, I would kind of like not be so honest with how much I was training. Um, yeah. Whoa, I'm very vulnerable right now. Hey guys. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it I, that whole like two months prior to the trail, I hardly did anything. And I, I think that my exercises were more mental than, uh, yeah, more mental than physical, I guess, is the best way to say it. <laughs> I want to tell you that I do the exact same thing. I do. Yes. I, yeah, no, this is, this does not sound crazy to me. I have this deep, like, self-destructive avoidance that happens when I'm about to do something that's big. And it's like, I will be gearing myself up for something. I'll even be working on it. I mean, honestly, my, um, trek, my Salkantai trek, uh, last summer, it's this, uh, trail in Peru to Machu Picchu. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's an alternate route than the, the Inca trail for, for folks who don't know. Um, I trained, really hard and I was very excited about it but a, about a month maybe more than a month before the trail just this intense avoidance came over me and I just completely stopped moving I didn't hike I, I, I only hiked if I had to lead like a group hike or whatever and it's yeah there was like all this mental sort of yeah. stuff happening that just like made that it made me want to like avoid and avoid and avoid. And this comes out in my life in so many ways, but I'm just letting you know, I totally know how that is. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's Someone's asking, how do you feel, or how does like a beginner rafter get, get started? You know, how would you, how would you start rafting and whitewater rafting? So like someone that would just want to go rafting and like experience for the first time, I would say, you know, I would call the outpost, um, 
you know, search river rafting near me, call, and there might be a few options pop up for you. So close to North Georgia are the Chattooga, the Ocoee, the Pigeon, and the Natahala. Um, and I would say call each of those rivers, rafting outposts, say, hey, I want to know what class this is. Because um, when you ask them, is this for beginners, they're going to want to sell you on coming to see them, whether it be Chattooga, which is a class four and five river, or the Nantahala, which is mainly a class two river, and it's really good for beginners. Basically, you're going to want to ask what class they are. So the classes range one through five, five being your most difficult and kind of scariest. So you want to try to stay maybe like class ones, twos, threes beginning. And if that doesn't like, if, if you're feeling okay with that and comfortable with that, then maybe you can step it up a notch. I personally started um, on a class three river basically and was like, whoa, I really love this. Let's step it up a notch. This is super fun. Um, so I think like just calling and seeing what class it is. Also another important thing to ask is what level is the river? and ask what is the normal level of the river you know the chattooga normally runs at like one two to one six is probably what i would say a normal level if it's higher than that it's going to be a little rowdier if it's lower than that it's also going to be a little rowdy as in it's going to be really rocky like it won't be a crazy fun time but it's going to be some steep drops um and, you know, really get that information. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Honestly, just reach out to me. I'll, I'll happily answer questions if I see it in my messages, you know? <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. really generous. Um, what would you tell, uh, like, a specifically for, like, a plus-size person who wants to try rafting for the first time, is there anything that they might want to know or keep in mind? Yeah. Um, so, PFDs are made one size fits all, and we all know how that goes. Um, PFDs are your personal flotation device. Um, they're not a life jacket. They will not save your life, but they will help you float. Um, the problem with PFDs is that they're usually made for straight size people. Plus size people are shaped a little different. And we are sometimes shaped like bigger on the bottom than on the top. This makes a problem for when PFDs can come up, okay? Um, so what happens then is if you fall out of the boat, don't panic, your raft guide's coming to get you. But what can happen is your PFD can slide up and over you and off of you. So this makes for a new problem is your personal flotation device is not only off of you, but now your raft guide is gonna have a really hard time getting you in. What you can do is you can ask for leg, leg straps. You can say, hey, I want some leg straps and it's gonna look and feel a little awkward. And you might be like, you know what? I'm different than everyone else here, but you're also gonna be pretty safe because now that PFD, there's no chance it's coming off of you. Your raft guide's going to tighten those down, your PFD down while you're on the river. Do not loosen that guy. It might be uncomfortable but everyone's uncomfortable in a PFD. Those things are not comfortable. I promise you every single person in the raft, straight size, plus size, doesn't matter. So rafting, they're not in the business of saying no. They can say, oh, our size limit is 250. 
Mm. Personally, I'm over 250. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm your raft guide. Hi, I'm over 250. And also, I've taken people very large. It's not a big deal. It just what matters is that what matters here is that you go with a company that cares. Ask those questions. If you have any questions, you ask that company. And if they seem hesitant or if they seem like they're not going to answer your questions right, are you not making you a priority? Then don't go with them. Well, I was just going to say that, yeah, that's good advice. Like if, if you're getting a weird feeling when you're just asking questions, mm -hmm. you're not going to feel safe when you're in that vessel with the people that you're with. So that is, that's your, your clue right there, whether or not a, a company is for you. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our Q&A and our interview. Ash, it was so good talking to you. I'm such a fan of you. And I hope some adventures are, are in our future together. Yes! <laughs> I know. I, 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 it's a shame that our, our, our rafting trip is, is not mm -hmm. happening, but not happening now. now. Maybe it'll be happening another time. Yes. And I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, hope to chat with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. And thanks everybody for tuning in. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Anything that we mentioned that you might be curious about will be in our show notes later on. The episode will be streamable on Thursday morning. As you know, our live show happens every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And please consider writing us a good review and rating us five stars. Share it with your friends if you think that they would be into it. If you'd like to sustain our podcast, you can make a donation at JennyBrusso.com or you can join our Patreon and be a monthly sustainer. That would be most excellent. Also with Patreon, you get rewards. Our guest next Tuesday is Taldi Harrison, who will be talking with us about recreating responsibly in the time of COVID-19. I am so excited about this episode. I know I have a ton of questions. You probably do too. And you know, this is just different times and we are not able to recreate the same ways that we normally would. There's a lot of things to consider. Thank you all again for joining us. And thank you to our guest, Ash Manning. I hope to see you all next week. Bye.